Well, you know, my message today is entitled, uh, we're doing a tag team, Jared, Robbie, and I, and this is entitled, The Best is Yet to Be. We're really trying to celebrate that uh, we have a common mission of what? You know, connecting all to Christ, come healthy in God and courageous in love. We celebrate a heritage, which really has given us a foundation and a strength uh, to kind of go through these seasons of the journey. But most of all, we want to really look forward to a vision of a future and want to focus on the idea that the best is yet to be. And so uh, the passage of scripture that I want to look at today, it comes from 1 John uh, chapter 2. I'm going to be reading out of Eugene Peterson's The Message, but I I want you to hear some of the words that it has to say. I remind you, my dear children, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. You veterans were in on the ground floor, and you know the one who started all this. You newcomers, you've won uh, a great victory over the evil one. And the second reminder, dear children, is you know the father from deeper experience. You veterans, you know the one who started it all. You newcomers, such vitality and strength. God's word is so steady in you. Your fellowship with God enables you to gain a victory over the evil one. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, it has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all of its wanting, wanting, wanting is on its way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for uh, eternity. You know, uh, I'm going to be, we're breaking this up into parts because we are a five-generational congregation from all different walks in life. But I want to address what I call the veterans who are on the ground floor, as John writes about it. You know, Church of Lakes started in 1956 in the ground floor of Bill and Marilyn Melvin's basement uh, on Lake Cable Avenue and East Boulevard. In 1956, they went out and they borrowed 90 chairs from the old fire station there on Lego Springs, and they put it up in their house, and they began to invite their friends, their neighbors, the people at Lake Cable, all to come and be a part of a community of faith. But they all had a vision. They had a vision of really making a vibrant community of faith in Jesus Christ for this, uh, for this segment of the county. And, you know, back last month, uh, I, had, I officiated over the committal service of the last of the charter members of Church Lakes, Bob Graham. And, you know, uh, you look over the years, Uh, the people who were really on that ground floor. They talk about how they quickly moved from Bill and Marilyn Melvin's basement. They moved over to Lake Cable Clubhouse. And the the old-timers, they'll talk about how, you know, they would come early on a Sunday. They'd set up chairs. They would take away the beer bottles left from the parties the night before. They'd pull out the piano. Old uh, Wendell Graney would play some of the hymns. uh, And that as time marched by... They closed down Fulton Avenue. It was two lanes back then. And they marched from Lake Gable Clubhouse down uh, the road down to what was the educational unit. And, and in there, 
uh, they talked about uh, these uh, the veterans of our faith. They talk about serving dinners for Lions Club. They talk about selling Christmas trees in the church parking lot. Uh, they talk about uh, the, the challenges that, that came as a congregation. I talked to people like Don Saver and Harold Lambright, who barely had, they talked about how they barely had enough money to cover uh, the, the bills at the end of the month. And yet, they all had the same vision of making sure that they would spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through a, a congregational family. And you know, I, I came here uh, 27 and a half years ago, and, and I've had the opportunity really to walk alongside many of these veterans who were in on the ground floor. And I heard their stories, uh, their hearts, about what they wanted to accomplish, uh, the challenges they encountered, uh, the uh, joys of baptisms and, and confirmations, those kind of events. But all of these veterans on the ground floor, they had a vision to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. Well, you know... Um, uh, the passage of scripture that I shared to you from First John, it was written by John, who when he was a young man, probably in his teens, began to follow Jesus Christ. But by the time he writes this letter, he is an aging pastor. And I get that. I'm approaching now about 60 years of age. And he is writing to a congregation uh, to encourage them. And this is that congregation uh, that John writes to had gone through its fair share of heresy it had gone through a time of division and what he was trying to bring them all together a multi-generational congregation what is it that we can bring together for the cause of christ and you know i want to address the, the veterans who are in on the ground floor and, and celebrate some of the things that they bring to our congregational family because what they have brought is they have encountered some of the challenges that the younger generations are going through now. They know where the landmines are buried. And yet, they don't fall quickly for cultural fads and waves. Now, I get it. We veterans on the ground floor, we are not, we are what we call digital aliens. We are not digital natives. And, you know, we're not very tech savvy. We can't kind of handle some of the, those processes. And yet... We, we offer a wisdom that the younger generations, I believe, can benefit from. But my word to the veterans also, finally, is this. Please, don't consider retiring from the congregational family. I hear that, you know, well, I'll let the younger people take care of that. You know, honestly, we grow the strongest when we're working together for that common mission, really, of connecting all to Christ, become healthy uh, in God. At that, I'm going to turn over to my friend, Robbie. Thanks, Brian. Uh, you can't go anywhere. You have to stand okay. up here just for a second. Okay. <laughs> I was conned into doing this. No, this wasn't me. Okay. So this was Brian's brainchild to bring everyone here this morning as one church congregation. A lot more comfortable setting. We did this back in 2006 to celebrate 50 years at Church of Lakes. So I want to say, being that's the week of Thanksgiving, a big thank you to Brian to put this all together. Can we put a hand together for Brian? <laughs> My joy. So, some of his ideas are pretty good. However, oh, however, oh. one person went above and beyond and decided to get you a gift. Not me. Not me. It says, Steelers, baby. No! Blessings to comfort you in your times of need. Just in case Adeline needs something as a Christmas present. 
I am a Browns fan, not a Steelers fan, so that took a lot of arm twisting to do. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Well, he started off this morning by paying homage to some of the veterans on the ground floor at Church of Lakes. I want to focus this morning on what John writes about to the newcomers in our passage, all right? These newcomers are the ones who bring vitality and strength, as he writes. John even, he even goes so far in the scriptures to say that these new, vibrant followers are as so necessary to help defeat the evil one. Quite a bold statement. Let's get real for a moment, okay? These so-called newcomers, or perhaps we can call them the young, or maybe the inexperienced, or the new kid on the block, all right? John recognizes even in our scriptures, that these newcomers are so vital to defeating even the evil one, which might seem counter to the way that some of us think, at least, because let's be honest, all right, who would you rather have working on your car? A mechanic with 25 plus years of experience on hand, or would you rather have the kid right out of trade school? Would you rather have the veteran quarterback under center who's gone to Pro Bowls and playoff games Or would you rather have the rookie who's starting against the Steelers today? Don't worry, Brian and I still think the Browns are going to win. Look, it seems backwards, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem backwards? Why Why would John say that these newcomers are so important to defeating the evil one? Friends, it's because God has done, is doing, and will continue to do just incredible things. Our God, he's not afraid to use the young or the inexperienced, all in an effort to do what it says in our mission statement, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, to be honest, I'm by far the most inexperienced that's going to speak in this sermon this morning, at least compared to Brian or Jared. But on the positive side, I have the most hair, so that's a one-up. All right, hear me, hear me. Look, God does incredible things in the unlikeliest of places. Amen. I'm here as proof that the young in faith, these newcomers are taking a stand. We newcomers believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ with every ounce of our being. For instance, uh, just a few examples here at Church of Lakes. Let me tell you about the amazing work that's done in one week over the summer at our VBS program. At our VBS program, our kids, the youngest in our congregation, they give of their time, their energy, and of their money for local missions like Camp Wanakee or the Canton Total Living Center. Even to help out internationally, they put together funds to help give Bibles to children across the sea. Think about that. How about our fifth and sixth graders who give up of their precious weekends just to serve meals at the salt box in Canal Fulton? Or how about, how about our youth? who for the last two consecutive years have gone to the remote areas of Kentucky where cell phone reception goes to die, or so I've been told. Why do they go there? It's not because of the bad cell phone reception. (laughs) They go there to serve the least and the last and the lost. Just look at what was done by some of the amazing young people in our congregation who literally traveled across the Atlantic to Sierra Leone to serve their brothers and sisters across the sea. Don't you get it? Don't you see it? Don't you feel it in here? Look, God is doing incredible things. He is spreading the gospel message with newcomers who John so beautifully says 
brings vitality and strength to even congregations like Church of the Lakes. But my question to you is where does the vitality and strength come from? Look, let's not be foolish this morning. <laughs> Friends, it comes from one person and one person alone, and that's our Lord. It's from God that newcomers, maybe even newcomers like me and you, get a rich spiritual DNA that's planted in our souls. This DNA, DNA is so vital because it's what we fall back on in times of, of struggle and, and trials, all right? Oh, and might I add that this really cool DNA, it comes with a no warranty guaranteed necessary. This, this DNA is given to us oh so freely by a loving son of God who gives oh so freely. Today is a good day. It's a good day to celebrate all together, as Brian says, the five generations of the churches. So let's celebrate that the best is yet to be. So Brian didn't get applause. He got a Pittsburgh Steeler toy. <laughs> Robbie got applause, so I'm expecting you to hoot and holler when I'm done. All right, guys? You know, as we were uh, dividing up today's message, I thought I, c I could play uh, cleanup batter. Um, I, what I wanted to say was just Brian, age went before beauty, but since Robbie was sandwiched in between there, maybe it was uh, age bookending beauty. I don't know. Uh, you, you with all that hair. You know, but as we listen to Brian and Robbie uh, j just preach a little about First John this morning, uh, talk about and just celebrate the generations that our Church of the Lakes, I, I am struck all the more deeply about how, the, how sacrifice is a gift. You know, you might be thinking to yourself, how is sacrifice a gift? We don't usually put those two terms together. But the best way I can illustrate that is when I became a father uh, over 14 years ago. Uh, I'll never forget the day that I came face to face with the reality that I was going to be a dad and what that actually meant to my life. Uh, Meredith, my wife, was eight months pregnant with our first child, Margaret. And I went out on a run. And while I was on that run, I was just reflecting on how much of my life was going to be changing when Maggie was born. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, uh, but I came face to face with the reality that I am an unbelievably selfish human being. Uh, in that moment, on that run, I was probably six, seven miles into it, uh, I started to get cold feet at being a dad. A little late in the game, right? Eight months into a pregnancy, I'm getting cold feet. But, but I honestly, I started to think about all the time and the money and the money and the money and the energy I was going to have to sacrifice for this new person that was going to be part of my family. Like, I was asking myself questions. Could I do it without resentment? Could I even do it at all? Could I divert my attention and my energies off of fulfilling my own needs, my own desires for this new person in my life. Now, sidebar, as any parent knows, the day Maggie was born at 7.54 in the evening on August 29th, 2009, soon as she took her first breath, that literally changed my life. If there's one moment that changed my life, it was that moment. And all that anxiety that I had leading up to that day just kind of washed away. But anyways, eight months into the pregnancy, on that run, it was real. That anxiety was real. I was worried about whether or not I could actually make the sacrifice. Now, fast forward a few years. 
I just got reappointed by a bishop to serve uh, Church of the Lakes on pastoral staff. And I'm in my living room on Orchid Street in North Canton. I'm on my hands and knees on my living room floor. And I, at that time, have all three of my children now using me as a jungle gym. And it dawned on me in that moment, I couldn't remember what I gave up to have kids. It's kind of like that with our faith in the Lord, isn't it? The initial step of following Jesus, we hear him calling and he says something like this, if you want to follow me, what you need to do is deny yourself and pick up a cross. And we're like, yikes, that's a lot of sacrifice. That's a lot to give up, to stop wanting for the things of this world, to, to stop seeking to fulfill my own desires and dreams. The said it feels almost like it's too much of a cost. And yet, those of us who've put our toe into the ocean of faith, those of us who've made the sacrifice to deny ourselves and pick up a cross, have truly come to know the gift that sacrifice is. Amen? Here's what I come to wonder. And some of you have heard me share this before. But here is it again. If the benefits of sacrifice far outweigh the cost it was to sacrifice, is it even sacrifice at that point? Can I say it again? If the benefits of sacrificing for someone or something actually outweigh the cost of the sacrifice you've made, is it even sacrifice at that point? Church, this is what we get in relationship with Jesus Christ. The, The Apostle John promises us that when we are willingly when we willingly, when we sacrificially abandon the love of this world, abandon the love of the things of this world, when we go all in with Jesus, the promises, we're set for eternity. Like we are welcomed into a life of fulfillment, a, a life of abundance, a life that where we give a, are given a peace that pervades the most challenging of circumstances. We are given a hope to pull us out the most despairing of places. When we come to faith in Jesus, when we follow Christ, regardless of what we've given up to do it, we really experience like we do when we parent, but maybe more so. We experience that the gift of what we receive in Christ far outweighs the sacrifice we made to follow. You know, as we move forward as one united church at Church of the Lakes, friends, we do so together again with a commitment to sacrifice and to give to the, see the mission of this church fulfilled. This mission of connecting all to Christ to become healthy in God and courageous in love. Here's my promise to you this morning. If we do that well, Church of the Lakes, if we are willing to commit to see the cause of Christ carried through, if we're willing to sacrifice on behalf of our Savior, when we look back as the veterans of the faith that Brian spoke of a moment ago, When we look back as those veterans, we will come to realize that the benefits of the sacrifice have far outweighed the cost we gave to it. We will see the gift that sacrifice truly is.